Welcome to the U.S. National Privacy Legislation Podcast. This is Joy Mason and Triago, Managing Director of the Association for Data and Cyber Governance. We are the only professional association that combines all aspects of data and cyber governance for the governance, risk, and compliance professional. You can find us online at adcg.org. It gives us great pleasure to host this event led by two outstanding moderators, Jerry Buckley and Jody Westby. Jerry is a founder of Buckley LLP, a national financial services law firm based in Washington, D.C. Prior to entering private practice, he served as minority staff director of the U.S. Senate Banking Committee. Jody is CEO of Global Cyber Risk LLC and chairs the American Bar Association's Privacy and Computer Crime Committee. We have some really great guests lined up today and in the future, so please be sure to rate us and subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome back to our series of podcasts on national privacy legislation. This is Jerry Buckley, and I'm joined by Jody Westby. And our guest today is Michael Copps, who has a long and distinguished career in Washington, serving as Chief of Staff for Senator Fritz Hollings, as Assistant Secretary of Commerce, and as a member and acting chairman of the Federal Communications Commission. He also brings insights as a historian, and he holds his PhD in history from the University of North Carolina. Michael, thank you for joining us. You bring a perspective that we have not explored in these podcast episodes so far. You spent eight years overseeing a highly regulated sector of the communications industry, namely the broadcast media. But the advent of the internet, the FCC, and other government agencies have taken a different approach than in the broadcast context. Would you care to compare and contrast the regulatory environment for traditional broadcast media to that for social media companies that operate on the internet? Well, thank you, uh, Jerry. Thank you, Jody. Good morning to you. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be on, and I thank you for all the good work you guys are doing to bring these issues to the attention of a wider audience. The Communications Act specifically gives the FCC jurisdiction to regulate the broadcast industry. Broadcasters are granted licenses to operate over the public airwaves, airwaves, incidentally, that are worth billions of dollars. And in return, broadcasters are expected to adhere to public interest uh, service. When I was at the FCC, I once asked my staff to go through the Telecommunications Act and see how many times that term public interest occurred uh, in the legislation. And it turned out over 110 times. So uh, I assume that serving the public interest was a major intent of the uh, Congress. Uh, The FCC has three policy goals to uh, uphold the public interest in broadcast. They are localism and competition and diversity. None of the three has fared all that well in recent years. Localism is just the principle that news and information should serve the needs of the community where a broadcaster is operating from, uh, locality. Competition is the principle that there should be several broadcasters operating within a local market rather than just uh, one or two. And diversity is the principle that there should be uh, a, a diverse array of voices and perspectives in our marketplace, both in terms of viewpoint and also uh, in terms of ownership. 
Many of these rules have been repealed due to deregulation or regulatory capture. We've had waves of media consolidation uh, so that a handful of conglomerates and private equity firms own much of uh, traditional media. In contrast, uh, social media companies that you refer to have been subject to precious little regulation. Unlike the Communications Act, Congress has never enacted legislation uh, giving an agency specific authority to regulate social media companies or to create those public interest standards that I, I mentioned. Uh, that being said, the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, has been largely responsible for overseeing the business practices of social media companies, but FTC jurisdiction is quite limited in scope. The FTC lacks rulemaking authority, so uh, if an abuse occurs, they hear about it after the fact and conduct an investigation, and by then, of course, the, the damage is done. They, they don't have ex-ante authority, the ability to... Uh, create rules in the first place. So uh, that's not really a very rational way to uh, proceed if you want to bring some order to what we're talking about. We've seen some examples of FTC enforcement, uh, like the fine on Facebook and all, but outside of privacy, our federal tools are pretty much non-existent in regulating social media companies. And uh, I would just add the rise of those social media platforms and their dominance in the public sphere have posed, I believe, a significant threat to our democracy. We can talk more about that, but you see bad actors uh, using these platforms to create misinformation and disinformation campaigns and amplifying hate speech. Uh, so we need to be really thinking about oversight of digital platforms and come up with an approach that more holistically addresses the uh, uh, problems as well as the opportunities of the internet. So that would be, you know, privacy legislation that I know you're interested in, support for local journalism, enhanced transparency, data security, and facilitating more competition. Well, thank you, Michael. That is a very helpful contrast between the regulatory regimes that we have in place and the dangers you point to are not an observation of yours alone. There's a lot to be done in this area. You know, on your perspective, having worked for the chairman of the Commerce Committee and your congressional experience is something that we value and will be interesting to see how the congressional committees proceed. As we record this podcast on the 8th of December and will be aired next week, there's just been an election which establishes that the Democratic Party will control and barely control the United States Senate, uh, which means that the, all three branches of government will be in the control of the Democratic Party or with the combination of a few independents uh, like uh, Angus King and uh, Bernie Sanders. So I think it's going to be an interesting time with unified control of the executive and legislative branch for there to be some action in this area. And uh, we hadn't known that when we scheduled our podcast, but maybe we'll revert to a little discussion of that at the latter part of our discussion. But Jody, uh, you had a question. I did, and thank you, Michael, for joining us. It's very interesting to hear your perspective, and we really think this will be valuable to our listeners. I was thinking in a little bit, let me narrow this conversation a, a little bit, with the advent of artificial intelligence and machine learning, companies operating in the digital economy are 
able to glean vast amounts of information and predictive data about consumers, which allows them to conduct much more targeted advertising to individuals than was possible on television or even radio. So both digital media and traditional broadcast media offer many free services to the public based on advertising revenue. But in the case of the internet services, advertising can be much more targeted, more of a sales, a direct sales approach than a marketing approach, actually. This makes some people nervous. But as other guests have pointed out, there are many consumers who are willing to live with some profiling if they don't have to pay for information. Do you have any thoughts on this? Well, that's a great question, Jody, especially that uh, last part about uh, people uh, willing to, to live with some invasion of privacy. I uh, spend a good bit of time going around to different locales. I often try to go by uh, colleges, schools of communication and journalism, and I often ask the students, are you really concerned about this issue of privacy? Raise your hands if you are. And all the hands go up. And then I will try to explore a little bit to see, are you willing to give up some of the goodies of the uh, internet to have more privacy? And actually, uh, not quite as many hands go up when, <laughs> when you get to that point. So, you know, the internet has brought us innumerable benefits. We can't do without it. Certainly have found that reinforced by the pandemic now. Can't uh, do our jobs or find our jobs or educate ourselves or our kids or care for our health without it. So it's a golden uh, tool for us all, but it's, it's not pure gold. There was always the potential for uh, excess, for harm, for uh, loss of privacy. And now we find ourselves drowning in a sea of uh, disinformation and misinformation and voter suppression and data abuse and, uh, and dealing with a handful of companies who have grown too powerful. It's long been my belief, and I've been saying this for over 20 years, that uh, in a democracy, uh, no company can be allowed to have the kind of power that some of these uh, companies are exercising right now. So the goodies are fine, but the uh, internet is uh, turning into a technology with a lot of unintended consequences, loss of privacy, which we'll talk more about is one of those. But uh, Let's think for a minute also about its uh, effects on small-D democracy. Take, for example, what's happened to our news and information and journalism and our civic dialogue with the advent of the Internet. We all know journalism is in trouble. We've lost hundreds of newspapers, probably maybe 2,000 of them since 2004. We have half the number of newsroom employees that we uh, had at the beginning of the century. So where do people increasingly go for the news? to the internet, but the internet has no model for widespread journalism. Sure, we have some on there, but it hasn't begun to replace the losses we've suffered in traditional media. And these huge platforms run news produced by uh, others without paying the others and running it with ads that make them billions of dollars, the big companies. So throw in the disinformation, the misinformation, and you have a recipe for real damage. In some, I just say, you know, democracy depends on an informed electorate. And without that, you get uh, you get some bad decisions. So for the future of the country, we really need to come to terms with this. People need to understand how invasive technology can be. They need media to lay it out for them, to understand surveillance and how far it's gone. And I think that realization is beginning to uh, 
uh, to spend a little bit right now with the experiences we've been through in the last several months. Well, we have many of these issues really popping up. I mean, we look at Facebook and with its users, it has more users than the population of China. Right. And so, you know, it's really more powerful than a nation state in some respects. And the reach to them and the reach for profiling or advertising, but also the reach and the ability to exploit someone's private information is also looms very large. And the FCC always kept some of that as far as communications in check. But you're right, with the internet, it's completely blown far beyond the grasp of the FCC or even any government agency. I mean, the U.S., when you look at online users, the percentage of online users, were a minority, a very small percentage, under 10% of the total online users globally. We invented this thing, but now we're a minority user. Michael, this has been really very interesting discussion, but I want to hand this back to Jerry because I know he's got another topic he wants to bring up. Okay. Well, yes, and it's related. You know, it's clear from our discussions that UC data governance, including privacy, is a topic that requires more than piecemeal legislative and regulatory approach. There are so many aspects to this issue and so many interests at stake. How would you suggest that we as a nation approach settling on the right public policy solution? Well, I think there's probably two ways you can can proceed on something like this. And uh, one is piecemeal. You take on the uh, issues separately of privacy or Section 230 or antitrust or net neutrality. And I suppose that's the usual way. And uh, if things run the usual way, that's probably the way it would happen. But maybe we would be better served by taking a more holistic approach to the challenges of the internet. What we really need to do is step back, take a deep breath and look at this technology and how it's uh, serving the common good. All these issues that I just mentioned and, you know, AI and data security and global implications. And uh, I have uh, suggested uh, uh, recently that with the coming of a new administration, maybe there should be some kind of a presidential task force, uh, time limited, not to be there permanently, composed of broad membership to try to answer some of these questions, even, you know, to make sure that we're asking all the right questions. And a commission like this, and there's precedent for this in other areas, would have uh, federal and state and local government uh, involved, business, large and small, labor, public interest uh, groups, academia, and cross-section of citizens, there are some things we can do promptly. I'm not saying we should put everything off while we have a commission like this. I think we're probably going to take some more forthright action on broadband with the uh, new administration and as a result of the increasing popular uh, appreciation of how important broadband is brought about by the pandemic uh, year. Hopefully that has dawned on legislators too. And I think it has because the stimulus bill has uh, some money for for broadband uh, and that's good. I think the FCC can proceed pretty quickly to reinstitute network neutrality and we'll have to see how we go on privacy. But, you know, it's, it's coming so late at these problems. We should have been addressing them a long time ago. You mentioned we invented this stuff, but uh, others have proceeded out in front of us or marching forward uh, addressing these problems a, a little bit more rationally than we have been uh, 
in the United States. So, uh, you know, we talked about trading uh, privacy uh, rights for all the uh, other opportunities in the internet, but uh, we don't need to make that kind of decision. We can broach this a lot more intelligently than we have. And uh, I'd like to see the new administration do this. And with uh, apparently new leadership in Congress and a new president, they can step in. But it needs, the issues need visibility. Uh, people need to know about them. That's why I say a, a presidential commission, because that draws media attention, draws the attention of the people. And just have them report after a year. You know, here are the problems we see going forth. Uh, here are the things we have to address. Here are a few recommendations, but send it up to Congress. So that's one way to proceed. Uh, I think with the Democratic control of the Congress that now appears uh, to, uh, likely, that we'll have more in the way of congressional hearings and congressional investigation. So if the president doesn't take this up, maybe Congress can do it. Wouldn't get quite the uh, same attention, but... Uh, Good grief. I mean, here's a, a technology that has so transformed our lives and, and we just kind of take a scattergun approach to it and we need to really step up to the plate and say, okay, this has changed our lives. Is it really working to serve the common interests? The benefits are wonderful. There are problems we didn't anticipate at the outset. Uh, let's get on top of them. I couldn't agree more. I would have the exact same, not that it makes any difference what I think, but one of the purposes of this series of podcast episodes is to tease out the ideas that would be able to move us toward a more rational national data governance. And we have, Jody and I in prior podcasts have talked about how Europe has moved ahead. They are establishing themselves as the data continent they'd like to. And we are, for various reasons, taking, as you say, a scattergun approach. It's really kind of it's much more important economically than people realize that we take the responsibility for governing data use in the United States. And I did the staff work many, many years ago on the Federal Advisory Committee Act. And I know that advisory committees, presidential advisory committees, have been set up and their, their views ignored. But I think that in this area, it would be very helpful to have a presidential advisory committee and and that would not stop progress in the Congress on other things. Right. But it would provide that opportunity to have the perspective of the broad range of public and business interests. And I think that would be, it's a, it's a great idea. I hope that, that somebody from the uh, Biden administration listens to you and these podcasts and says, yes, that would be something we ought to do. But thank you. And listening as you're speaking, this advisory committee notion could be very useful, but what if it, in addition to just sending recommendations to Congress, if it also could send recommendations to like the FCC, the FTC, or DOJ, or they weren't asking for Congress to do something legislatively, which they certainly could, but if they were also just sending information and recommendations to those existing agencies with existing jurisdiction, saying this is an issue you might address and this is an issue you might address, that at least we would get start getting some action within those agencies because you're right, there's an awfully lot that's going on that the agencies already have jurisdiction over. The internet has been our golden tool, as you say, our blessing during this pandemic, but it brought up the issue we took from back burner off the stove, and that was the digital divide. 
And so when I was listening to you speaking about the way that these large companies have been able to use their power, I was thinking, well, we really have not only a digital divide, the haves and have nots with the internet, but we have an exploited and a non-exploited population. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and, uh, so in the mix of all the agencies, departments working on this, and certainly Congress, it brought to mind your work on the Hill in a senior position. There are a number of Senate committees that can lay claim to privacy and data governance jurisdiction. Of course, there's the Commerce Committee, which your Senator Hollings served as chairman. He was doing that when I was back at the U.S. Chamber and involved in these issues. Then there's the Banking Committee, which has a long history of regulating privacy in the financial services context. And the Judiciary Committee, which wants to get involved with cybercrime, of course, as well as antitrust and First Amendment. Then the Defense and the Homeland Security Committees, of course, have its overarching interest in protecting both commercial and personal data from attacks by state actors and their agents. So finding a path to a comprehensive data governance and protection could really prove quite complicated. Do you have any thoughts about that, how to sort that out? Yeah, passing comprehensive privacy legislation that's going to require cooperation from all of these committees and the federal agencies that they oversee. You have to remember that while the FTC is the agency with general policy jurisdiction, we have all these other sector-specific agencies. And uh, you mentioned like the Banking Committee, uh, HHS oversees the protection of health data, and the list goes on and on. Protecting our privacy is simply too big, I think, for one agency to handle it all on its own. It will require a federal interagency cooperation, as well as the involvement of states to ensure strong uh, oversight. But, you know, there has to be some clarity. There has to be clear lines of authority, who's going to enforce and so on. Uh, Senator Hollings, who you mentioned, I used to work for, used to always say, when everyone's in charge, no one is in charge. And that's uh, true. So to the extent we can avoid turf wars and all that, fine. As for the Hill, that's where you run into a real uh, conundrum because uh, committees rather jealously guard their uh, turf, as you know. Maybe a task force can make some suggestions to rationalize that a bit, but you're never going to get one committee because the issue affects so many different spheres. And remember also that Money drives uh, a lot of this. Membership on a committee and a strategic committee uh, attracts money to campaigns, and members are aware of that. So uh, we can't let the uh, perfect be the enemy of the good. There is room for progress here, but we do have to have uh, some real leadership. I noticed in the morning paper uh, that the Biden administration now may be thinking about beefing up the National Security Council and developing the a cyber and an emerging technologies uh, office there. That's fine if, if it gets some visibility uh, and all, but you, you have to wonder. Uh, we do have some opportunities here now, and uh, I'm hopeful we'll be smart enough to take advantage of. This is the time to do it after the pandemic and after all the embroglios with the campaign and the post-campaign and voting and all that. Uh, I think people realize we've got some real problems to solve in this country, and we better get serious about doing just that. Digital issues certainly are up front and center in the midst of everything else. And I wanted to also say thank you to you for joining us today. 
I know we're getting short on time and I'm going to hand this back to Jerry for his final question and closing. So thank you, Michael. This has been really interesting and I think our, our listeners will enjoy your perspective. Thank you, Jody. I know, unfortunately, that we could go on. You are a font of ideas and insight and wisdom and we appreciate that. I am going to finish with uh, one question, although before that, I want to make an observation in a podcast episode that is being aired this week, Peter Swire, whom you probably know, we had a discussion about the idea. He was kind of the privacy czar in a prior administration. And it may be that the combination of a committee, uh, advisory committee, presidential commission, as you suggested, plus the designation of one person as the spokesperson on these issues data governance generally would be uh, an approach I would consider if I were advising the president. But that's just an observation. Good one. I, I know you serve as an advisor to Common Cause and you have views on the potential abuses of social media. You've covered some of that in your prior comments. As we move ahead in national data governance, what role do you see public advocacy groups playing in the debate? Do you think it would be possible to reconcile the various interests that are going to be at play? Well, public advocacy groups need to play a central role in the debate. Organizations like Common Cause give voice to uh, people out on the hinterlands and on the margins that uh, don't normally have the kind of presence in Washington, D.C. as the big uh, corporations, and uh, they help shape with, uh, the national conversation. Common Cause has offices in, in most of the states and can bring these issues to the people. They're an important counterweight to the dominant corporations. Uh, uh, of course, most of them are underfunded compared to those corporations that walk the halls of the Congress and, and the agencies. Can we uh, reconcile the various interests you asked that will be in play? That's a steep climb, but I'm optimistic, uh, you know, that we, if we can just develop that vision and leadership and the grassroots action, which is a, a very important, we're never going to get a perfect resolution to these issues. And that's going to keep changing. Technology is going to keep changing. And uh, we're imperfect human beings to begin with. But I am more optimistic than I was before the uh, election. People seem to be getting it that these issues are important to them. You know, as I traveled the country, and I've been doing this now for over uh, 10 years at the commission and eight or nine years uh, since, people understand that something is amiss, like with the media, but they're not always told the details. The media doesn't cover it. Big media doesn't want to cover, you know, my cops doing, uh, making uh, anti-consolidation uh, uh, statements and all, but uh, that's why we have to get local media and community media back and get some model for journalism on the, uh, the internet. But, you know, you take polls, 80 to 85% of the people want net neutrality, Republican as, as well as Democrats. So we have to have some leadership to organize that and bring the pressure on Washington. Reform doesn't come as a gift from legislators sitting up in the Capitol. Reform comes from the grassroots, and it's always been that way. And uh, I think it's going to take that kind of a push here, in addition to vision and leadership at the top. It's going to take a real national coordinated effort. But now's the time to do it. Now's the time to get it done. Michael, to finish up, I think you, you put your finger on it. We do have to deal with the pandemic. We do have to deal with the economic fallout of the pandemic. But if we 
failed to take advantage of this opportunity to deal with this issue. We will not only hurt the general public, we will lose our leadership on the policy front to Europe and ultimately to China. So I think we do need to step up here. I, I hope that your voice will be heard in establishing the urgency of this issue. So with that, we thank you again for uh, participating in this episode, and uh, we look forward to further discussions with you in the future. Thanks for joining us this week on U.S. National Privacy Legislation. Make sure to visit our website, adcg.org, where you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in what you heard today, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the podcast, that would help us out too. Also, you might want to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, Data and Cyber Governance Alert, which you can do right on our homepage. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode where we dig deeper into the possibilities of U.S. national privacy legislation.